0: To go but for today uh, we're celebrating sanctity of human life Sunday. the month of January is Sanctity of Human life month. Uh, it's a time when Americans are called to remember that human life is sacred and should be secure from violation or assault of any kind. Uh, the timing is based on the Supreme Court decision January the 22nd, 1973 47 years ago famously known as Roe v. Wade, uh, in an age when, when we seem to be majoring more on death than life. You really hear a lot more about death when you're watching TV and movies and all those kinds of things. It's more about death than life. In an age when we're choosing death over life, especially in the case of the preborn and the ill and the aged and the disabled, I, I agree that we need to stop and remind ourselves of the origin and the meaning of life. Sometimes death seems like a choice preferable to life. There are times uh, when living seems to be harder than dying would be. When people lose hope, they sometimes make a choice, like the choice of suicide, uh, for instance. And things like choosing suicide always is a, a permanent solution to a temporary problem, no matter how great the problem might be, however, since physical death doesn't really mean the end of human existence. You know, humans—we're uh, created, we're born to live, uh, or exist eternally, either living in the presence of God or just existing separated from God. So, even death is is not a permanent solution to anything. And I realize that there are a lot of compelling arguments out there about life and about death, but we should never remove those arguments from the relationship that we have or can have or should have with God through Jesus Christ when it comes to life and death there are no quick fixes nothing that just makes everything right everything about life is a mixture of joy and sorrow of good and bad of happiness and sadness and so today my subject is simply this we are created for life when when God designed us originally he designed us for life and not for death. And we need to major on that. We here at Milestone believe that that God did create us for life. and, And while death comes as a result of sin, everybody dies, God has provided the solution to that in the gift of eternal life. Jesus came to this earth and died on the cross to give us the gift of eternal life. And that solves the problem ultimately with relationship to The preborn and infant life, which are really the focal points of Sanctity of Life Month and Sanctity of Life Sunday, we at Milestone do our best to support families who are struggling in that area. One of the things that we do is we financially support Safe Harbor Pregnancy Medical Center. We're doing the baby bottle boomerang right now, where you can pick up a baby bottle, there's probably still some back there, stuff it full of change and bring it back next Sunday. Uh, And We're going to turn that in. It's Safe Harbor's number one uh, fundraiser for the entire year. At Safe Harbor, a woman can receive a free pregnancy test, very accurate, very medically sound, and a free ultrasound. In addition, uh, pregnant women receive counseling, medical checkups, access to supplies that they need for themselves and will need for their their newborn children, also, there are classes available for dads. You know, we dads can be pretty ignorant sometimes of the kinds of things we should do. And there's counseling for uh, post-abortion stress. And so all these things are available. And that's, that's one of the reasons that we support this particular thing. Because we just want to talk about how we're for life. We want to put some boots on the ground for it. Uh, Cassie, who's not in here right now, but you can contact her. was a volunteer counselor. Uh, at Safe Harbor for years, so you can ask her something, or you can go to that website that I think is behind me on 911safe.org and learn more about that. A second thing that we do at Milestone is we have our own Embrace Grace ministry, where pregnant mothers uh, meet each Sunday evening for instruction and encouragement, and while again Cassie is the head and heart of the ministry, she can't do it by herself. Holly's been back there with her for a Several months now, quite a long time. She couldn't do it without Holly, but, but she can't do it without you either. Many of you have given money and bought gifts for the baby shower that comes at the end of every one of these semesters. And if you are interested, if you like to give a one-time gift or give regularly to that particular ministry, you can you know, mark your online giving for that or mark your envelope for that, or you can talk to me or you can talk to Cassie or somebody like that. And I want to tell you that, that we're continuing to work on new things and better things and the area of helping uh, uh, mothers, especially single moms, you know, that are struggling, and uh, what can, and they want to keep their babies, but well, what can they do about it? Cassie and others are act, actively working to sub- expand this into things like housing uh, available uh, for them on a on a on a, a, a long term basis, if not a permanent basis. But getting back to scripture this morning and to our whole, our ideas about life, uh, two of the persistent questions I think that we. have frequently asked are these very simple questions. Who am I? Why am I here? You know, why, why is anything here? But who am I and why am I here on this planet? And God addresses each of these questions uh, in the first chapter of the book of Genesis in Scripture. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 begins like this. Then God said, let us, and God's speaking to himself here. Remember God is Father, Son and Holy Spirit. So he's speaking to himself, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So verse 27, God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them, male and female he created them. Verse 28, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Let me just stop. There's two basic commandments there. One is to be fruitful and, and fill up the earth, and the other is to rule over the things of the earth. Both of those commandments involve a great deal of responsibility. To be the uh, God's keepers of the earth is a a tremendous responsibility. To have children and to take proper care of those children is also something that involves tremendous responsibility. Verse 29, then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. Verse 30, and to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. This was the end of the creation process. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Consider what the Genesis account teaches us. It teaches us, first of all, that all life originates from God. Animal life, all life originates with God. It teaches us that human beings are a special life form because we are made in God's image. Of all the creatures on the planet, of all life forms, only human beings were created in God's image. Uh, We could read more in the book of of Genesis, but coming from this this particular passage, we learn that human life may only be taken by God and by God's commandment. And among all life forms, only humans can choose eternal life with their creator. Human life is therefore sacred. That is, it's, it belongs to God in a special way. It's like God. Uh, it is sacred and should be secure from violation uh, or assault. Governments should protect that right. Well, let me read a couple of things that, that we base our government on. Uh, there is a document called the Declaration of Independence. And there's a famous part of that declaration that reads like this. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted. And then the law of our land, the law upon which all other laws are based, the law uh, 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 that we bring all other laws beside to see if they are uh, acceptable or not, the Constitution of the United States. uh, we got the Constitution and then the first ten amendments to the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, at almost the same time. Amendment 5 of the Bill of Rights says no person... Shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, and uh, says what those documents tell us is that our government has a responsibility to protect life in this country. And as I think about life and death and people and all kinds of stuff, I'm continually reminded of the complex and amazing nature. Of life itself. Every time I watch one of these documentaries, you know, whether it's about insects or or mooses, however you say that in, in Florida, every time you, uh, all of God's creatures are so complex, from the tiniest to the biggest, you know, and, and you see the uh, the way they're they're adapted for their environments and things of that nature. And yes, a lot of that, you know, is is due to natural selection, which is a real thing. Evolution. Uh, from one species to another is not a real thing, but natural selection is a, is a real thing. And each time I watch that, I think, wow, life is so complex. As a matter of fact, it is absolutely impossible for life to develop from this stage to that stage by individual steps. It can only be done by creative acts. But life is amazing and intricate beyond human comprehension. Uh, brings to my mind a, a scripture we're going to read in just a few minutes where the psalmist said, I am, I praise you, God, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So what I'd like to discuss with you for a few minutes this morning are just three things. I say three things about my life, but I want you to say, be saying that about yourself. Three things about your life that are true. The first is this. I was created to live. Not to die, I was created by God to live. The unique characteristic of each one of us is that we were created in the image of God. We reflect the image of God. Yes, that reflection is marred right now, but even the marred reflection of God is is wonderful it 's creative it's marvelous it 's complex. There is a qualitative difference between humans and all other created things on the planet every form of life on this planet is created by god and every form of life should be honored on the planet but only humans have an eternal spirit uh, as well as other attributes like a moral conscience the ability to think abstractly an understanding of beauty and emotions and the capacity for worshiping and loving god that those things are unique to human beings. Our peace, the peace that we seek so much in day-to-day living is derived from recognizing that we reflect God's image and then by allowing God to achieve his purpose in us. I, as created by God, I reflect the image of God. God has something in mind for me. It may not seem important to anybody else, but it's important to God, therefore it should be important to me. And when we lose sight of the value placed on human life, then we're tempted to, uh, to destroy that life without thought, that life that is designed by God. Life is sacred. When life is destroyed, there's a price to be paid, always a price to be paid. And a part of that price is losing the impact that every life could have to enrich our lives and to honor God. Uh, do you remember the movie, It's a Wonderful Life?, you know, the Christmas movie. Uh, that thing is older than me. But uh, it brings, it, it, it brings a, a good thought to mind. George Bailey, uh, the, the main character, is allowed to see what the world would have missed if he had not been born. He thought, well, I'm, in, I'm unimportant. The, the world would be better off without me. And then he got to see how important he really was. And if you were to have a similar experience, you might find that you're more important than you really think you are. You might find out you're less important than you think you are, but in all likelihood, you'd find out you are more important than you think you are. You've probably heard this before, but a college professor once presented this challenging situation to his ethics class. A man has syphilis, his wife has tuberculosis. They have four children, one's already died, the other three have terminal illnesses, and they did all die. The mother is pregnant again, what do you recommend? The class voted to terminate the pregnancy. The professor noted that they had just killed Beethoven, one of the greatest musical minds that's ever lived. Ethel Waters, the great gospel singer, was born to a 13-year-old child who had been raped. Listen to some of her music. She had a run-in with Billy Graham at one point in her life, by the way, that, that changed everything about her. The world... Would have been robbed if either of these individuals had not been allowed to leave, live. Even under those are horrible circumstances. I don't, I don't like those such circumstances anyway. But the world, just think what the world would have lost without them. Perhaps all of the children that have not been allowed to be born over the last 47 years uh, have robbed us of the peacemakers that would have stopped terrorism before it ever started, or the researcher who would have discovered a cure for cancer or alternative energy sources or whatever things are important. We were created to live. In fact, God saved his breath for the creation of human beings. In Genesis chapter two and verse seven, we give this this, uh, uh, look into exactly how God created human beings. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. We were created in God's image and endowed with God's very breath. That's sacred. Most of, most of you, I'm gonna give you a little uh, personal testimony here, by the way. I get to do that, you know, since I'm in charge, but most of you know that Gene that and I have seven grandchildren, and we love every one of them. I remember a day about three and a half years ago when the six adults in our family, Gene and me and Brad and Todd and and April and Cassie, were sitting around our dining room table at my house. We were looking out the front yard at the then six grandchildren running around playing with each other. As we looked out that window, April, Brad's wife, revealed to us that she was pregnant with the seventh grandchild. That would be the fifth child to a woman who was at that time almost 40 years old. And she cried. Uh, when she revealed that to us, because it was it was exciting, but at the same time she didn 't know how in the world she was going to be able to handle it physically, emotionally, financially. She and Brad felt enormous pressure in all those kinds of areas, the pressure of bringing another child into the world and, and the pressure of raising that child uh, and, and, and there have been many difficulties by the way in the raising of that child, but neither Brad nor April nor any of the rest of us have any regrets about Molly's birth. Here's her picture. Uh, that was right here on the platform around Christmas time. Nobody has any regrets. Now, we're going to Disney with them in February. We may have some re- regrets by the time we get back, <laughs> but uh, at this point in time, no regrets of any kind, and nobody says, boy, I wish I, I she wish would never been born. Nobody says that. Nobody, nobody says my life is, l- is less because of her, but we all say our lives are more because of her. And you get to see a picture of the whole family, by the way, next, standing on the platform. And you might look at our wonderful Christmas photo and, and think, wow, that's great. Joy and perfection standing up there. And I can understand that because it's really good, but it's not perfect. When, you look, when I look at that group, I see joy mixed with sorrow I see, I see wonder mixed with pain, you know, in every life, in every family, there's the good things and the bad things, uh, but it doesn't mean, boy, I wish we had never lived or I wish we had never existed. It's, it's really good. It's just not perfect. What, here's what we know as a family and what we know as a church family is that God knows each and every one of us, and he has a plan for our lives. Here's what the psalmist wrote. In Psalm 139 beginning in verse 13 for you and he's speaking to God for you created my inmost being you knit me together in my mother's womb verse 14 I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made your works are wonderful I know that full well my frame verse 15 was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place Nobody had ever looked inside of a woman at the time this was written. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. The creator, the one who originated human life, has a plan for everybody's life. When we lose sight of the creator who formed us, with a purposeful life in mind. We may devalue that life and think that some lives are important and other lives are less important and some lives are unimportant at all. But then we lose the whole idea that there is no such thing as a life that God loves more and a life that God loves less. God loves all the same. The Roman Colosseum with its gladiators and human sacrifice to animals remains a, a monument to the degradation of a society uh, that all societies would experience when we don't recognize that human beings are created to live and human beings are created uh, with purpose. It's often been noted that, that w- the taking of human life uh, is only a symptom of a far greater problem in our culture when we no longer recognize the sacredness of life. So I was created to live. Uh, uh, I doubt my existence sometimes, you know, just like you do. I wonder, what am I accomplishing a lot of times, just like you probably do? But I look at Scripture, I, I, I talk to God, and I know I was created to live. And the second thing, and I've talked about this, I want to mention, I was created with purpose. God had something in mind when he created me, and God had something in mind when he created you. Life comes from God, and life is sacred. Our lives are a trust from God and therefore should be dedicated to live and to achieve God's purpose for us. The Apostle Paul wrote about that purpose in the New Testament in a letter he wrote to the church at Ephesus called Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 where it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. He has a purpose. We're created not just for ourselves, not to be comfortable Uh, Not to be rich and famous and all that kind of stuff, none of which are bad. But the purpose of our creation is to do things for others, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In other words, he had a plan. He has a plan for you. He has a plan for me. And I haven't perfectly carried out that plan, and you probably haven't either. But when I do, that's when my life really means something. When I realize that dedicating my life to the one who created me actually fulfills the purpose and plan for my life, that's when I, I discover that my life has real purpose and meaning. There was a prophet in the, that's recorded in the Old Testament of Scripture whose name is Jeremiah. And Jeremiah noted that God knew him completely before he was born and had a plan for his life. Jeremiah 1.5, Jeremiah, he wrote this, Before I formed you in the womb, God to Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. I had a purpose for you. And God has a purpose for your life. Like a work of art or music crafted for special purposes, we find that life is indeed sacred when we allow our lives to be given to serve the purposes of our creator, God. We were created to live. We were created with a purpose. God gave me life, and I must give it back to him to do whatever he has designed before. So there's one more thing I want to mention to you this morning, and that's this. I should celebrate my life with God. I I should rejoice with God that he has given me life. And and while I may not accomplish what some people accomplish, and I may not be famous like some are, and I may not have made as much money uh, uh, as some did or whatever, we all fall short somewhere. Some are always somebody better than we are. I can celebrate the fact that God made me and he gave me the opportunity to serve him. When I understand that life is sacred, when I understand that I was created to live, when I understand that I have been called to dedicate my life to God's purpose, then I can celebrate that before God. In Scripture, Christ paints a picture for us, like we're children returning home to the Father. There's numerous pictures of that, but here's one of those uh, that Jesus gives you and gives us as recorded in Luke's Gospel, chapter 15, verse 7. Jesus said, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven. We need to rejoice here. There's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents, one person uh, who didn't believe in me but repented and came back to me over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. We can celebrate the music of Beethoven and of Ethel Waters because life was valued, their life was valued as sacred, and because they consecrated their gift to the Creator. And I think about a lot of lives that I have come in contact with. I mentioned this in our our 9 o'clock class this morning when I was a young pastor, I became the pastor of a 14-year-old girl named Kathy, Kathy Coleman. Uh, Kathy was a Down, Down syndrome uh, girl, uh, and most people couldn't understand you know, her, uh, her speech and things of that nature, but I got where I was pretty good uh, at that. And Kathy and I became real buddies over the 11 years that I was her pastor. She shouldn't have lived beyond her 20s. She's 56 years old and, and still going today by the way. But I thank God and I celebrate every time I think about Kathy and I laugh at some of the things that she did and some of the things that she said to me. And and, and the greatest thing she ever did, by the way, is she came forward and talked to me after church one day and told me that she wanted to receive Christ as her Savior and she wanted to be baptized. And it shocked her parents and everybody else in the church because they didn't think it was possible. But it it was. Uh, And and we've had a couple of people around here. There was a, a I saw a kid, he was taller than me, but he was always in a wheelchair. His name was Jay Pilgrim, son of Margie O'Rourke, you know, who used to go back to kids' class and so forth around. I saw Jay laughing in the grocery store at Publix uh, the other day. I'm thinking he's touched a lot of lives. I could, you know, different people like that, uh, that when I think about them, I celebrate life more than when I think about some genius or some athlete, you know, that has accomplished some great thing. Remember this, life. Is sacred. Preborn life, sick or ill life, aged life, disabled life. Life comes from God, belongs to God, and every life has a purpose. We've been created to live lives that are set apart to God, and these lives can be celebrated throughout eternity. Everything important begins when we realize that life is sacred, it belongs to God, it comes from God, God has a purpose for it. In fact, your life is so valuable and so sacred that about 2,000 years ago, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this world to live and to die for you. If there was nobody but you, he still would have come for you. He knew you by name 2,000 years ago. He died for your sins and all you have to do is believe in Him. Just place your faith and trust in Him as your as the Savior of your life. And you'll be born into His family. And then your life can have the real purpose for which God designed it. So I'm, I'm thankful that you're here today. I'm thankful for the fact that That uh, we can celebrate lives, all kinds of lives, all kinds of people that we've come in contact over the years. Maybe it makes you think back a little bit uh, at some people you've come in contact with. But the most important thing I want to leave with you today is is this, God cares about you. Jesus died for you and he wants you to come to him. Let's pray. Father, I know that you're here with us and I thank you for that. I know that you care about us. I know that you love us, and I know that if we come to you, you will receive us. And so I ask you to give us the grace to do that. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.